it's not good for everyone to have the same dose. There are people who will have a much greater stress response to caffeine. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find out how to access exclusive discounts on Filex, the fitness industry convention. In this episode, nutritionist and accredited practicing dietitian Cam McDonald talks caffeine, genetics, and performance with Network's Catherine Wean. So Cam, I'm sure not many fitness professionals would have a day go by without having their daily dose of caffeine. But can you tell us if consuming caffeine is right for everyone? Great question, Kat. Generally with caffeine, it's, it is really very much an individual's game. Interestingly, I mean, there's some health benefits for caffeine and there's a really interesting separation in long and short-term effects of caffeine. So having a cup of coffee, a lot of the research has been done actually using caffeine pills in short-term. And when they look at the short-term effects of caffeine on pretty much everyone, you get an increase in cortisol levels, you get a general increase in arousal, which is like your stress hormone response, which is good if you are in some sort of place that needs an emergent response, you know, where you need to, or where you need to wake up. The big thing about heavy doses of caffeine is that typically it allows you to do process work really well, but not the really complex thinking like where you need to problem solve and all that sort of stuff. Cortisol and that caffeine response pretty much just gets you back to a a place where you can focus, where you can comprehend. And, but as far as doing critical thinking, it sort of lets us down a little bit, but it definitely wakes you up. So you'll be thinking better than if you were asleep. (laughs) Not having caffeine Uh, here. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. But then long-term, you know, there's some really fascinating research from all over the world saying like up to six cups a day reduces diabetes, heart disease, depression. But then in the short term, a lot of those effects are like, you know, your blood pressure goes up straight after a caffeine hit and your uh, stress hormones go up, which we all associate with, you know, poorer outcomes for heart disease and diabetes. So there's a real paradox in the literature there, which has been really, really interesting to read. I guess as far as how you make sense of all this, there's a whole lot to do with uh, individual variation. And I getting, I guess getting back to your questions has been a fairly long way of getting there, but it's not good for everyone to have the same dose. There are people who will have a much greater stress response to mm-hmm. caffeine and that can actually result in panic disorders if, if there's a family history of panic, if there's a, a background level of anxiety or sort of that over-analytical nature, then it can actually make that worse and too much thinking is sometimes a bad thing. So there is a bit of individual variation, but at the same time, those people typically know that they're caffeine sensitive and generally don't have a whole lot because they can't handle it. So uh, those people who have their cup of coffee and really don't feel too many effects, there could be one of two things going on. One, it's actually not too bad for them and they're in the population that are going to receive some benefit from the antioxidants. And the second thing is that they've just built up a huge tolerance to it. Uh, I know a few people who have been quite anxious with coffee only after their fourth or fifth cup, but it's because they'd been drinking four or five cups for a long time. When they bring their caffeine intake down and then have one coffee, it still elicits the same amount of anxiety. So sometimes you've got to come off it to know whether it's actually good or bad for you because your your body's ability to tolerate stress, chronic stress, is scarily good 
which is not great for long-term health. Yeah, like anything, there's always a pro and con to everything, isn't there? <laughs> it's always a fence it, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so in what situations would you say caffeine intake is useful and in what situations would you say it could be harmful? Caffeine definitely has its uses. There's no doubt about that. And I think it's probably worth qualifying at this point. There's a few different uh, types of caffeine and, and really the, it's all about what this caffeine's wrapped in that makes a huge difference. If you have caffeine in a pill, it's going to be a lot stronger than if you have it with coffee. And that's going to be stronger than if you have it with tea. And that's just due to the, the extra little bits that come along with coffee and tea that actually have a, a complementary effect. Coffee, not so much, but green tea definitely helps reduce that stress response. So with that being said, definitely if you are underslept, coffee will get you back to baseline like or a caffeine pill. Green tea may not have the gas that you need to actually shift your like sleep-wake cycle and to, to really arouse you because mm-hmm. it doesn't give you the same cortisol response. What keeps you awake when you want to be tired is something that's more important than sleep, which is normally a survival issue. So if it's our job, then it's – and we're going into a meeting where we've got to be listening and be focused – then definitely coffee is what we want. However, if we're tired and we're about to go into something where we've got to do a lot of critical thinking, the task itself is actually going to arouse us. And so having something like green tea, which doesn't really blow your brain up into that beta wave mode and into that space where uh, you're maybe over-processing too much, mm-hmm. that's where that's where green tea might be more, more suitable. As far as around sports performance, uh, undoubtedly if you're doing endurance training, you will benefit 25 to 30% by having a good, strong couple of capsules of caffeine. Mm-hmm. And I laugh at capsules because it's not strong coffee, it's actually capsules which you're going to get the benefit or the, the, the predictable 25 to 30% improvements in endurance. Right. If you're doing high-intensity exercise, you need to be a very well-trained person to get benefit out of caffeine. What it can do, it can actually worsen the performance of, of amateurs uh, and novices who aren't that well-trained doing a high-intensity exercise. So there are a few different times to have it. I would say if you're wanting the best, if you're wanting to be up and to get through and you're very tired, coffee is your way to go. If you need to be switched on and focused and it's important anyway, the situation's important and that's where green tea is going to be really useful. Mm-hmm. And then generally, if you're in a social setting, it's, it's really up to your preference. <laughs> nice. I like it. Balance. So I've noticed in your email signature tagline, it says food movement genetics. Can you shed some light if we know the role of genetic or what genetics would play or plays in an individual in processing caffeine? Yeah, I'd love to. Genetics is probably my my key passion and will be for the remainder of my career because it just sort of allows us to answer a whole lot of other stuff that we haven't had answers to before. So as far as, I mean, we know about sort of at least six to eight well-established genes that really help uh, us understand firstly the speed at which we metabolize coffee. So if you've got a particular variant of it's the CYP182 gene, which has got to do with a liver enzyme and it breaks down caffeine into its active metabolites. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a gene that doesn't do that well, you won't release the active metabolites as quickly. And so it um, won't give you the, as, as great a response, but it can actually contribute to worse health. So if you're not breaking it down fast, it means it's going to be in your system and agitating you a little bit longer. And that's the population that don't do so well long-term with coffee intake. But those guys who, um, interestingly, the guys who have fast metabolism of coffee, 
get the response from exercise. Not everyone responds to caffeine. And if you talk to any uh, elite athlete who's been in a team situation, you'll have some guys who almost vomit when they have caffeine and other guys who absolutely love it and, and can take it many pills at a time. And that's purely one of them is due to that, that metabolism and, and their ability to break it down. So uh, that's that's the first. And that applies to people in outside athlete populations as well. There's a couple of other ones uh, to do with how you – they're to do with your stress response in your brain and also dopamine, like motivation – and motor movement as well. So they, if you're wanting the names of those, they're Andorra, A, Andorra 2 and DRD2. And uh, they've got to do with dopamine and adenosine, which is one of the major ways caffeine exerts its thing. They, if you've got a couple of dodgy, well, slower producing genes, particular genes, I shouldn't say dodgy because I've got some of them, the, uh, then you're much more likely to have sleep disturbances and anxiety as a result of caffeine consumption. And so that's a really good reason to not have caffeine if you've got those genes. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a couple of new ones as well to do with how you make brain cells in your, in your memory center and also what drives you to make decisions as well, some sort of uh, reward hormone type genes, and they can be associated with them too. So uh, there's definitely a huge amount of difference. And then some more advanced stuff that we're doing with epigenetics. So it's mm -hmm. it's uh, not just what your gene says, but the environment that you've placed your gene in. And we've been doing that through a, um, a platform called PH360, Personalized Health 360. And we're seeing that even the body typology stuff, somatotyping can actually give a bit of a hint as to how people are going to tolerate caffeine generally. And it's got to do with how their brain works, whether it's in beta, which is very high functioning waves or alpha, which is meditative or theta, which is more active moving in your body waves. And so depending on your predominance in one of those waves, your very high beta waves, which is normally for the more ectomorph, in between ectomorph and mesomorph, you're going to have uh, a lot more beta activity generally. And so more beta activity from caffeine can really send you over the top. Mm -hmm. uh, the endo and ecto endo type uh, type bodies can normally tolerate a little bit more coffee, whereas uh, the mesos and uh, the meso endos, uh, depending on their genetic fate, the individual variation within those, it's a little, it's more moderate. So there's definitely reason to take notice of your body because normally your body will tell you what kind of genes you've got. You don't need to have a DNA sample, but I mean, as I said, we, we use PH360 regularly to help ascertain that. Yeah, cool. Mm. So how much would you say just listen to your body in that response would you say would, you know, be important in how you process caffeine? That's a, a good question with a, um, a, a fairly deep answer, if I can give that. <laughs> can you keep so, it broad? <laughs> yeah, I will keep it broad. The, generally, it, it depends on the residual amount of stress in your life. If you are used to shutting out stress and just pushing on anyway, and you live on this cortisol cloud, yeah. then you're not going to be in touch with your body much at all. As soon as you get a week off and you can go off coffee while you do your week off, you're going to have a nice baseline to then re-enter having some coffee with to see if your body is stressed. Yeah. You need to bring your body out of stress in order to know whether the coffee that you're drinking is actually having a, a negative effect. Mm -hmm. And most mm -hmm. people will, you know, not come off their coffee for that reason. Sure. But, uh, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things I would highly recommend because if it's the difference between you being sensitive but just tolerant and then it causes health issues down the track, it's worth knowing now and it's a weak washout of your caffeine. Uh, you will get a headache, but you can just dial it down and have half the amount you would and then half the amount you would uh, and then have a week off after that. But uh, it's it's worthwhile for those couple of days of pain. Yeah, cool. Awesome. And just lastly, what's next in the world for Cam McDonald? 
Uh, that's thank you for that question. That's really cool. The oh well, look, I'm I'm heading up the training for people to use a this PH360 platform. It's a very very comprehensive epigenetics program that looks at not just nutrition and exercise, but it looks at mindset and the social life you've got around you and your work and also the place that you live in and the climate and how they all affect your genetic expression at any given time. So uh, from there, we can actually determine, well, maybe you need a bit more spinach at this time of year, or maybe you need to make sure that you're having 20 minutes of calm time at the end of the day at this particular time in your circadian rhythm that's the best for you to get the most amount of benefit out of those types of actions. And it's really helped clear up a lot of things around, you know, is interval training best this person or should they go for a run? Should they be doing non-intensive exercise or should they be lifting weights? And that stuff is uh, genetically determined and also it's it changes through the day as well for different people too, So as, as in the time of day for best, for best results. Yeah. So I'm currently helping train coaches up in using that platform and it's uh, that's happening over the next year and in my own business I'm sort of set up my practice to sort of provide the best client experience around their genetics so we're trying to give feedback at a genetic level and communicate at a genetic level for different people who use different languaging also just the follow-up protocols and how we just go about each action is going to be sort of more genetically tailored to each person so it's it's wow. a really exciting time sounds like groundbreaking stuff uh, i've been part of you know a really cool movement for the last two years it's i wasn't part of its inception 10 years ago that's when they started building this program but i was i've been the only guy in australia using it for the last couple of years so it's been really exciting and i'm, I'm excited to share it with a lot of people super exciting well thank you very much for showing your time this afternoon and um if we can look if we want to find out more information about you where can we go Probably the best place uh, is going to be the resilientgrowth.com website. And I'd have to say that it's about to go through a brand change. <laughs> I've just been through a brand strategy meeting. So I'll be directing any traffic that comes through there. So it's just www.resilientgrowth.com. And any traffic that comes through there will be really redirected to the new place as well. Awesome. Thanks, Cam. Thanks very much, Kat. For more articles, resources and inspiration to grow your fitness business, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au.